This podcast is produced by Audiofy. Welcome to New Covenant Perspectives with Pastor Ken Reed. My name is Herson Gonzalez of Audiofy Productions, and I'm so glad that you found us today. Uh, glad that you are in this uh, podcast with us um, as we are going through a series called Strategy. We're really, really happy to have you. Um, Pastor Ken and I uh, enjoy uh, the love of a place called Sight and Sound. And um, we just recently talked about uh, visiting there and, and, and what it's meant to us. Pastor Ken, can you tell folks a little bit about Sight and Sound and, and why you love it there? Well, Sight and Sound, we've done s- several trips there. Um, we've taken groups of people there. But it's an amazing, it's a Christian theater, state-of-the-art theater. And they do incredible um, renditions of different Bible stories and Bible characters. Um, right now, they're running Moses and the Ten Commandments. Um, and it's it's a, you'd have to go to have the experience. It's astounding what they do, the uh, special effects that they do, um, and the talent and the anointing that's there. Um, it really is an amazing place and a, a, an amazing experience. If you go once, you'll be hooked. That's right. So if you have an opportunity, um, I would encourage you. Um, it's not too far. I mean, we when we go, we usually spend the night, um, but it's only about, it's in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yep. Um, and um, there's it's in a, a resort area, so there's a whole lot of other things you can do. Um, but you can check it out online. Yeah, and it's right near Hershey Park, so if you wanted to make a weekend out of it or two or three days, uh, that's what we did. I just went with uh, family and watched Moses. I was blessed uh, beyond measure, man. It was so good. I I so enjoyed the talent, the music, um, you know, the score for the play mm-hmm. was, I thought, exceptional. And of course, the staging and, and the live animals and everything that they do is yeah. so, so fantastic. Uh, but yeah, that's a free commercial, free plug for our friends over there yeah. at uh, Sight and Sound. <laughs> well, let's get into our conversation today. This is part two of Strategy. It's time for today's word on New Covenant Perspectives. Pastor, give us a a quick recap of of week one so that people can just jump on with week two. Well, we defined the word strategy. We said it was um, um, that uh, strategy was a plan of action, uh, a a specific policy or design to achieve major goals. And we said that uh, strategy could be a scheme or a maneuver for either good or bad. And we gave a couple of illustrations about that. And we said that our primary focus as a pastor was the strategy that's being war- waged against the believer. And and that strategy, we, we said, was something that was originated in the garden. We also said that for a strategy to be effective, it must be undetected or cloaked in a natural environment. And that's so how the enemy works. You seldom see him coming. I often say if people could just really see Satan in all of his glory for what he really is, nobody would follow him. But the Bible says that he comes as an angel of light. In other words, you know, sometimes we have a picture of the enemy, you know, with horns and a a tail and, and all that kind of stuff. But if we really saw the ugliness of sin and the ruthlessness and the unlove 
the unloving nature, the evil nature of Satan, no one would follow him. He would not have any followers. I have a um, friend, Pastor, that uh, he, he he still needs a little bit of of, of saving, but he, yeah. <laughs> if we're walking in a mall or something, and and a beautiful woman happens to walk by, he'll say, mm-hmm. "That's the way I wanted to see you, you lying devil." <laughs> <laughs> well, even that is an illustration. I'm sure that there are many men today, perhaps even someone who's listening who married someone, you know, you mm-hmm. can be a man or a female. When you first saw them, they were tall, dark, and handsome, and mm-hmm. they were just wonderful. And, and now, man, after you got them home, they, they grew horns. <laughs> I, I, I say jokingly, you know, like, I, you know, my wife and I, we're, we're going to be celebrating in another week or so our 50th uh, wedding anniversary. We've been married for That's 50 incredible. years. And I tell people, I says, you know, when I first met my wife, I was living in New York City, and my wife came up from this little town in South Carolina, called called Green Pond, South Carolina, population 36. But anyway, she came up to visit her sister, and I like to jokingly say I married her while she while we were while she was on vacation, because we only knew each other for probably two or three months, and then we got married. But the idea here is that I said, you know, when she first met me, I was tall, dark, and handsome. Right after about ten years, I was tall and dark. Right, and I said, you know, now after fifty years, I'm just dark. <laughs> so but my my only point here right is that what the enemy does is everything that looks and appeals to us visually isn't always the case and it's exactly what the strategy that the enemy is counting on he presents himself as an angel of light but you know like the person that that you know there are many people i'm sure that are, are hooked on drugs today Man, if they could just go back to that first time that they got high, it was mm-hmm. oh, it was, ooh, it was cool, and uh, but now they're being driven. It's ruthless. They, they, there's nothing they can do about it because now the enemy had they had that seen that in the beginning. I, I, I don't know if we would have the same number of addicts that we have today. For sure. Well, let's get into part two of this exciting series strategy. We're really trying to expose the strategies of the evil one. Uh, specifically for those of us who have a relationship with Christ. The Holy Spirit is working overtime to try to open your eyes, to show you what the enemy is trying to do. Pastor, let's start this second um, second episode. Amen. Um, so I'm just going to want to read here Genesis chapter 3 again real quickly. We read it last week, and then we'll sort of go on from there. It's Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It says, now the serpent was more crafty, and I like to underscore that, more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? And we we spent a little bit of time on that. Uh, those are our latest book, Four Words That Changed the World. And I like to say, those are the four words that changed the world. Did God really say? Um, it creates questioning. But he says to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat um, from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, and the woman in all innocence now, she's not perfect, she's absolutely innocent. The woman in all innocence says to, responds to the serpent, oh, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say that you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. So she quotes back to the serpent, what God had said. 
And the next comment here is one of the one of the telltale strategy components. There are four parts to a satanic strategy. Um, the first part was questioning. The second part is accusation. And what he says here to the woman is, you will not surely die. And I like to convert that into a, a, a phrase that you and I as believers hear today. And what that phrase is, he's not saying you will not surely die to you and I today. He's saying what God said will not happen. Because see, the woman said to him, well, this is what God said. And he's contradicting to her what God has said. You will, God says you will die. He's saying you will not die. In other words, he's saying what God says to you was not, is not true and it will never happen. And that's exactly what the enemy does today. So he says, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. And then he goes on to expand and try to, and he t- tries to articulate his version to support the comment that he's made. He says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw, now she's really thinking about what he said, the contradiction, and then he, exp- I'm going to be, you mean I'll be like God, knowing good and evil? And then, you know, and so when the woman saw the fruit of the tree, that it was good for food, pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of the fruit, she ate it, and she gave some to her husband also who was with her, and he ate it. So point number one here is this satanic strategy was so highly effective on that occasion that it has never been necessary to make any changes to its usage. It's the same strategy that the enemy used in from the very first person, the first Adam and his bride, he's using it again. He tried it on the second Adam. The Bible says that the second Adam is Jesus Christ. He tried a similar strategy, which we'll look at in a little while, on Jesus, the second Adam, but he's certainly applying that strategy to the to Jesus's bride, which the Bible says that you and I are the bride of Christ. If you're a believer, if you're a born-again Christian, then you are considered to be the bride of the second Adam. So it's the same strategy that is applying to you and I today. And I said earlier how that, you know, you may be have a dream or desire in your heart. And the idea that God has put something in your heart and it's burning in your heart, it's been there for a long time. And anytime you begin to think of yourself or see yourself or imagine yourself being or doing what God said or having this experience, there's an overwhelming sensation deep within your soul that says it's never going to happen. That you just get that feeling of dread, that feeling of no, it's not going to happen. It's that that's not that's not for you, and he is, he cloaks it in a variety of thoughts. He says, "Well, he doesn't just tell you what is not going to happen. He'll tell you that frankly, it's not going to happen. But sometimes he'll say, well, it's not going to happen because you know you haven't been good enough.'" It's not going to happen because you shouldn't have done that. You did this wrong, and you're not. You're the wrong color. You're the wrong height. You're the wrong gender. He'll just have a. There's a whole plethora of things that the enemy has packaged. Now, listen. All of the strategies of the enemy. This is very important. They're tailor made just for you. They're tailor made just for you. So the way that they are presented to you, the tone that they are used. Everything about his strategy uh, pointed and directed at you and executed against you is tailor-made just for you. If he brought the same strategy towards me, it wouldn't work at all because it's not tailor-made for me. 
But what he does is he has a strategy for Pastor Ken. He has a past, a strategy for Pastor Herson. He has a strategy for you. So whoever he's approaching, he tailor makes and tweaks the salary. That's that strategy so that it it this pierces them. And it's very, very important. But what is more important to realize is that it's the same strategy. He wraps it in a different package. You know, at Christmas time, you're there's 25 packages under the tree and they're all a different color and they're all beautifully wrapped. And you go, wow, these are all for me. And you open them up and you have such expectation and such anticipation of what's going to be in that package. When you open it up, this beautiful box is a snake on the inside. You go, ah, you throw it down and you grab another box. And every time you open the box, no matter how beautifully it's wrapped on the outside, it's the same snake that's on the inside. And it's, it's like that. So, the same strategy that he instituted right from the very beginning is the same strategy that he's targeting you with now. And from that point, I said, on every person who has ever been born of man and a, and a woman is born vulnerable to the workings of satanic strategy. But God is merciful to all of humanity. And because of his great love and mercy towards us, he has established the means whereby you and I, right, can be free from the workings of this strategy and live a full and complete life as God intended from the beginning, right? Even from the beginning, it was God's intention. It wasn't his intention that the first man and the first woman would be affected by this strategy, right? But you and I in Christ Jesus, right, can can experience that victory. Now, I want us to hear Ephesians chapter 6, and it says this. Now, you, you might know this. It's a very popular portion of Scripture. It says, put on the whole armor of God. And I like to circle these two words, whole armor, right? Put on the whole armor. You may be a, a believer and you've got the helmet of salvation on, but your sword, you're left in the house. Your shield is leaning in the corner. He says, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be abled or enabled, right, to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, the word wiles there is a very interesting word. It's the word methodia in the Greek. It's, it's methods. It's, it's defined as a strategy. So you should you be able to stand against all the wiles or strategies, the strategic happenings, maneuvers of the enemy. Now, that word methodia in the New Testament, just like the word agape, there's several words for love in the New Testament, but the word agape is only used in association with God, the love of God for you and me. Anytime you see the word agape, it's always in relationship to God. It is only used in the context of God's love for us. Likewise, the word methodia right, is only used in the context of Satan's strategy against something or someone. So that word that the, that the Holy Spirit is using there is a specific word. It's specifically highlighting and letting you and I know that this is something that's specific to the enemy. But notice how he starts out telling us what's, what the position of victory is. Put on the whole armor of God. And God is the one who's provided the armor. God is the one who's provided. And, and by the way, God's armor 
is tailor-made to fit you, right? It's tailor-made to fit you. And if you put on the armor that's tailor-made, it will fit perfectly. You'll feel wonderful in it. And none of the wows and methodias of the enemy will, will, will have a victory to push you over. I love that, Pastor Ken, that you're saying the enemy's strategies are tailor-made for you, but but the armor of God is also tailor-made for you. So, right. so the believer has this confidence that no matter what the enemy is throwing at him, it doesn't matter how tailored it is to, to your desires, your likes, you have an armor to combat that that's also tailor-made by God for you. That's just fantastic. That's amazing. Isn't that good? And so I, yeah. that's why I said, so, you know, that's why the Bible says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, right? But now the next verse, verse 12, it says, for we do not wrestle. He goes on. He's like, you have the victory against all the strategies because our wrestling match is not against flesh and blood. And it's not your uncle. It's not your wife. It's not your brother. It's not your boss. It's not the white man. It's not the, the black man. It's not anybody. It's not flesh and blood. These are not your enemy. He says, he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against, and he names the four uh, strategic power structures of the whole kingdom of darkness. He says, we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we can see here that our wrestling match, the, the, the things that war against us are not of human origin, they're the wiles and strategies of the enemy that he permeates and, and expresses through his, his whole kingdom structure that's targeting the person. He says, because this, therefore, verse 3, because that's the case, he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. Now, I want you to listen to these words here, right? We've only got a few more minutes, but listen to this. Take up the whole armor. Again, now it says, how much of the armor? The whole armor. Take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. When is the evil day? The, in, the evil day can be any day, any time the enemy is targeting you, you'll be able to withstand it. And then it says, having done all, to stand. Second time the word stand is used. The next one it says, stand therefore. Third time the word stand is used. And then it tells you how to stand. Stand having your loins or your waist gird about with truth. Now the first piece of the armor. This is so important. It's truth. That's the first piece of the armor. And it's like, put on the belt of truth. You have that. You got to have the belt of truth on because the belt of truth holds all the other pieces of the armor together. Right? But notice in that two verses, the word stand or form of the word withstand is used four times. That tells us that God's heart is not about escaping. I've heard uh, people say, well, Pastor, what about the scripture in 1 Corinthians, uh, I believe it's 10, 13, that says uh, that God will make a way of escape. And I say, well, you know, that word escape there, is, uh, it, it's, a, it's a, tr a word that's translated, but it, it conjures up the wrong idea in our minds because we're thinking that God's heart is about, you know, getting out of the way and running and hiding. That's not. Now, if you notice about the armor, the armor here, every piece of the armor, there's nothing for your back. Not one piece of the armor is designed for your back. 
And that's because it was never God's intention for you to turn your back and be running from the enemy, right? That's not the case. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God is our rear guard. He's the one. God says, look, don't worry about it. You put the armor on, I got your back, right? So there's nothing, God's heart here isn't about you and I running and hiding. God's heart, because you and I are more than conquerors, we are called to demonstrate the glories and victories and strength and power of the kingdom of God. Then God is looking for you and I to be men and women who stand our ground in the face of every situation, and God is glorified in that. That rich, baritone, teaching voice that you're listening to is Pastor Ken Reed. This, of course, is New Covenant Perspectives, and we'd like to hear from you. Please do us a favor. Send us an email uh, at newkingdomworshipcenter at gmail.com. Give us a call at 774-464-6888. Leave a message and somebody is going to get back to you. And lastly, we want you to be able to get one of Pastor Ken's book books. You don't have to go looking for it. Look in the notes of this podcast. You'll find a few links that'll bring you right to the book on Amazon. You can check that out. And after you read it, please leave a review. Uh, let us know what you thought about the book. And uh, man, it's just going to be a, a blessing to Pastor Ken's ministry if you could do that. Uh, let's get back uh, to the end of episode two uh, here talking about strategy. So as we continue here, I just want to take this last verse here. I know we've only got a few more minutes left here, but the last verse that I wanted to point out here, it says, um, having your loins girt about with truth, right? And then it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the interesting thing is, if you were born again, then the breastplate of righteousness was one of the first things that the Holy Spirit actually put on you. Because the Bible says, if any man be in Christ Jesus, A, it says that you are a brand, a new creation, a brand new, never before existing species of being, right? And then in verse 21, it says that he who knew no sin, referring to Jesus Christ, became sin for us. In other words, he became your sin and you became his righteousness. And it goes on, it ends by saying, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you're so, it's God, it says in Romans, who justifies the ungodly. Oh, how I love that thought. Because anytime the enemy tries to bring accusations about how bad I am and what I've done, I can always look to him and say, hey, look, God was the one who justified me. I didn't justify myself, right? And it's God who has declared me as his righteousness. He's the one who said, you establish me in righteousness and establish me as his righteousness, that's what Isaiah 54 says, right? It goes on to tell us all of those things, but the breastplate of righteousness has been securely fastened. Now, all of these things here, right? And you go down and it says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Faith is the, is the, is the, is the thing that you can, you know, you have to believe that. You, that the belt of truth is on your way. You have to believe that your feet are being prepared. You have to believe that the helmet of salvation, that's how you first became a Christian, through faith in Christ Jesus. And salvation, right, um, has become what you received. 
Salvation isn't just about being born again. Salvation is all-inclusive. The word that, that's used there is an all-inclusive term. So you say, well, Lord, you know, my, my, I, I'm sick. He said, well, you receive salvation. Salvation includes healing and deliverance for you. But we're going to stop right here, and I want to just take a moment and pray um, for uh, you and your situation. Father, I want to thank you for the listener, the person who's listening right now. I trust, Holy Spirit, that you are putting your finger uh, in the heart and life of, of a specific person or a group of people. Father, I'm so grateful that you are God of mercy and grace. There's no one like you. We put our hope and our confidence in that which you have established. It's you that's caused us to become new creations in Christ Jesus. And it is you through the blood of Jesus Christ that has caused us to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, I bless these, your, your, your servants, your children. Thank you for your faithfulness to all of us. There's none like you. And we pray again by the authority of the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody gave a good amen. And Lord willing, we'll speak to you again. Amen. Listen, if you want to see Pastor Ken live, you can do that. If you live anywhere near uh, Worcester, the greater Worcester area, New Kingdom Worship Center, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Hilton Gardens Hotel, downtown Worcester, Mass., 35 Major Taylor Boulevard. If that was too much information for you to write, look at your notes. It's right there. Thanks so much for being a part of our show today. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. God bless you.